CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. As always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag IOT and hashtag Smart City. Today's topic is securing a smart city, and our guests for today's show are Gary Hayslip, who's the Deputy Director, Chief Information Security Officer for the City of San Diego, California. How are you, Gary? Good morning. How are you doing? Oh, could not be better. It's beautiful out here in Chicago. How about you? Well, I said the sun's coming up here, but it's going to be a beautiful day here in San Diego. Oh, great. And we also have Mark McDonald, who's the Chief Information Officer at the City of Vancouver. How are you, Mark? Wonderful. and glad to be here. That's great. Now, we're going to talk about uh, the smart city. We have been seeing that as a dream in the past few years, and now many of the cities have really worked hard to make it uh, a smart city, which in a way means that you are going to be able to use technology to make the different resources available and also make them scalable and extensible in order to meet the demands of inflow of citizens or whosoever is living there, the cities are primarily growing. So so that was the very basis of this whole initiative. Now, if if you were to compare to what you thought as the, when, when we were dreaming about it versus where we are now. So Gary, starting with you, what do you see we have accomplished and what is still to happen? Um, I mean, I can tell you from like the city of San Diego, um, we have a very robust you know, startup community and tech community here. So there's there's always companies that are, you know, volunteering to help the city out with new projects. Um, I've only been with the city two and a half years, but I mean, I have to admit over that two and a half years, it's been fascinating to watch the 40 plus different departments. They want to offer new services. You know, they want to go ahead and um, and work with the citizens and provide, you know, new services to them. And a lot of these new services are new technologies, you know, new interconnected technologies. And anybody that's worked with cities understands that, you know, the cities have large disparate type networks. So it's quite interesting to bring these new technologies in, but to do them securely. So, uh, Mark, when you look in your uh, organization, or rather the city that you represent, what was the dream that you had laid out, and to what extent have you been able to bring it to fruition? Well, when I look at the city of Vancouver, what we've done is we really wanted to drive uh, citizen engagement and access to citizens uh, in the format that they uh, would like to engage the city in. And that's really been realized over the past uh, four years of my tenure here uh, as a chief information officer. I think the big emergence here has really been the entire ecosystem of the city. So now we've got uh, transit, healthcare, utilities, uh, logistics, education, all uh, collaboratively engaging on making Vancouver a smart city and a world-class city. Now, so so when you say, uh, Mark, about your, your city, so... People said, or citizens said, this is what we want. Can you inventory a little bit about what exactly did they say? Did they suddenly say that we want uh, a cool, 
more progressive and more technology centric or they were sticking to the same infrastructure and safety and uh, availability of resources at all times as citizens so that they go about living their lives? Uh, no, it's just a com- the complete opposite. Really, a shift in the paradigm is that the citizens and businesses have really demanded the ability to transact uh, everything uh, from a mobile uh, perspective. So they want to be able to pay their uh, property taxes, pay for parking fines, register for swim lessons, uh, vote, uh, all in a mobile uh, capability here. So that's really uh, driven out uh, our ability to expand and uh, and to a large degree, from a security standpoint, it's really uh, created a, a different uh, exposure surface for us in terms of uh, uh, security with technology. Now, Gary, when uh, Mark talks about uh, the smartness or, or the new things that citizens want, and that is to have mobile get incorporated in the way transactions happen, that's like a natural uh, progression in terms of people using mobile phones, so they want to have that as a transaction. That's the evolution on the technology front, but for the sake of technology. And yes, of course, it's going to deliver services. When we talk about smart city, in a way, it is tied at the hip with the Internet of Things paradigm or, or the computing method. To what degree do you think citizen has asked for it versus we saying, okay, we ought to do it? Well, I mean... It's, I mean, I have to admit, it's quite interesting because, I mean, I came from DOD where we just, you know, did what we thought we needed, you know, to go ahead and protect the country, and we had very little input, you know, from the citizens. You know, we're here, everything really is directed, you know, um, a lot of the projects, a lot of the stuff that we do is directed by the citizens. I mean, you know, they, they definitely interact with you. Um, and we're doing a lot of the same things. You know, citizens here in, you know, in San Diego, they, want, they, they do want the same thing with mobile and with apps. They want to be able to sit on their couch at home, pull out their iPad, and be able to pay their water bill. You know, and, you know, they want a lot of the same features that they see other cities have. Yeah, I mean, the mayor's updating, you know, having the, uh, the website and everything updated, you know, the city website to be more interactive, you know, uh, for the citizens. We're already looking at um, developing apps and moving into the, you know, to the mobility phase because more of the citizens want that ability. And, you know, the, what I find interesting is, you know, cities don't really, you know, have to be innovative in some ways because they're, they don't have any competition. It isn't like, you know, you have another city coming to steal your citizens. So it isn't like a business where you have to compete, you know, um, against competitors. The, what drives innovation, I think, in a lot of cities is the citizens themselves who are looking for, you know, updated services. You know, they want, if they can do things with their phone at work, why can't they do things with their phone when they interact with their city? And, and they demand it. So if you go beyond uh, the mobile uh, related innovation or automation, so Mark, what all have you envisioned and then executed with respect to Internet of Things so that you're behind the scenes? One is to interface with the citizens to make their life easy. Another is to become scalable as an organization. And for that, Internet of Things was introduced, and that's what was the genesis of us calling a regular city as a smart city once you have that in place. What all has been envisioned, and to what degree have you executed on that vision with respect to Internet of Things? Well, I think one of the big things that we've done is uh, with the integration of our CCTV uh, camera systems across the city that monitor everything from traffic, 
uh, to our real estate and facilities buildings. Uh, so we've really integrated systems there to uh, really assist the citizens in terms of uh, not only identifying where problem areas may be within the city, be it traffic congestion, uh, be it areas where there's sudden emerging events, uh, right on down to managing security behind the scenes here across the city uh, at our six or 700 plus uh, facilities that we have. So these are systems that we integrated. Uh, they were the spirit when I arrived at the city, uh, completely uncoordinated, and uh, we've undertaken to really integrate those uh, and make it uh, uh, smart in terms of some decision-making and uh, data and analytics that we're using to really manage citizen uh, lifestyle and uh, workflow here. So, uh, Gabe, when we talk about security, because that's, of course, close to your heart given your role, would you say that there is a certain benchmark that a citizen has, which may be implied or explicit, in terms of how city makes them feel vulnerable versus secure? I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, um, I I actually go ahead and uh, present at a lot of different, um, you know, events and for a lot of different organizations here in the city. And I, I talk to a lot of citizens, and at times I get really appalled at, you know, small businesses and their lack of knowledge in dealing with cybersecurity. Um, you know, what, what I do find, you know, talking with citizens is that they expect whatever data the city of San Diego has to be secure. And they expect us to do our due diligence with whatever technologies, whatever services they're providing us, that we will protect that information, that we will uh, provide them, you know, secured services, you know, and, you know, they... You know, they just expect it. It isn't something that you know they're asking us to. They're expecting that we have already thought about it and already have it built in. And you know, the 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 cybersecurity plumbing per se is already in place before we were to go ahead and even offer you know a service to them. And so it is a um, for here the the security life cycle that we're putting in place, the security operations center that we've uh, that we're standing up. A lot of the different projects that we have are for that. You know, I have you know the the cybersecurity program that I'm building out for the city of San Diego is all built on operational resilience. It's all built on allowing you know us to be flexible and be innovative but at the same time to provide that you know that inherent security behind the scenes so the city can go ahead and give the citizens you know the the smart services that they want you know and the security is there for them so uh mark if you look at the security levels that you could enjoy or at least you were confident that you are offering a secured and safe environment to the citizens pre iot or pre this smart city endeavor versus now how much more work or how much more complexity has gotten introduced because of us trying to of course give them more and get smarter and get more automated uh i would say if, if i do a pre versus post. I would say that uh, our efforts here at the city of Vancouver to really uh, become more automated and offer citizens uh, more access to technology has just exponentially increased uh, the level of uh, security risk. Uh, and it's really a trade-off. Uh, it's really, you know, the trade-off between offering citizens uh, the ability to have access to new technologies and automate the city as a whole versus managing the risks uh, that we have through uh, exposure to things such as uh, our CCTV networks, our water wastewater infrastructure networks, our mobility. Uh, so as we progress, once again, 
uh, we're exponentially uh, opening up the, the, the threat uh, opportunities and vectors there, which we have to manage from a risk management perspective. So given that there is an increased risk, uh, Gary, have you, uh, have you kind of rethought what security should be in the, the new age, which is post, or not post, I would say, with inclusion of IoT, the smartness that we've introduced within the city? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, IoT, um, I, I definitely echo uh, what Mark was saying, is that, you know, IoT brings a whole different layer, you know, a whole different texture of security, because, you know, a lot of it is relatively new. Some of these newer technologies, um, I mean, when they come through our, our tech review, and we're helping the departments plan out their projects, and we're looking at, you know, is it within, you know, my CIO's technology roadmap or where we're going over the next five years, you know, some of these things are our best guess. You know, I mean, because they're so relatively new, you don't know what threats. And so I'm already trying to plan, okay, what security controls do we have in place? What do I think is our baseline risk, you know, for some of these projects? Is it acceptable? What happens if we do have a breach with it? And um, and I find a lot of times what I end up doing is, you know, I, I talk with my peers. I mean, I reach out with other C, you know, CISOs here in the region, whether it's over at Qualcomm or Illumina or Petco or, you know, other companies here. And I ask them, I said, you know, you guys are using something relatively similar to this. What issues have you had? You know, and... Because sometimes you don't know. I mean, I, I honestly find a lot of the IoT technologies that you put in play, they provide newer services to the citizens. Or, you know, they make it easier. But there's a lot of additional planning. I mean, there's a lot of extra things that you have to go ahead and take a look at, especially if it, if it's cloud-based. I mean, you know, are you ready for that? Are you ready to go ahead and extend your perimeter to somebody else's data center? You know, and some cities aren't ready for that. Some cities are used to keeping everything on premise. But in today's day and age, you know, where you've got a you know a shrinking amount of funds, but you still have to be able to provide you know security, you know, for your IT infrastructure. You start looking at you know. Um, other new technologies that you can leverage, and there's new risks. I mean, you know, it, it there is a, a different level that you have to now really focus and do a lot of research on and figure out, you know, am I doing enough? You know, do I need to um, change my workflows and my policies to reflect, you know, these new risks that were, that were taken? And I spend a lot of my time um, making it visible to the mayoral staff, making it visible, you know, um, to the IT leadership team here, and so we can plan for it, so we can take a look at it and see, you know, do we have what we need? Do we need to, uh, you know, ask, you know, uh, for more funding or do we need to go ahead and put other controls in? And sometimes we've even had, you know, for a technology project, we'll say, you know, hey, we don't know enough about this, but here's some other alternatives. You know, um, could we look at one of these? You know, you, you, you basically don't want to say no. You want to be able to say maybe. Imagine me riding in a car and its car is moving, and we come to know that somebody is attempting to change the wheels in the car, but the rubber that is being used in the wheel is of a new material which has not been tested before. How comfortable will I feel? The reason I draw this parallel is of a citizen who says that, okay, you're going to try to make the city a smart city. You're going to give me more features, but you're going to try to secure it where you do not know if that very material that you use, which is IoT in this case, is itself evolving, so you do not know everything about it, so if you don't know enough about it, how could you ever secure it? What's the level of visibility that has been offered to citizens in that regard, and how much confidence internally that is there 
within the departments and within the city departments that they can pull it off and they will still be able to maintain the security and safety of the citizens while they deploy IoT. Let's talk more about it when we come back. Please stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sun Jog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Jog All. Welcome back. So, uh, Mark, when we, uh, I gave an analogy before we got into the break uh, about a car where somebody's sitting in there and you're having uh, a wheel being changed and the new wheel that you're putting in, its component or the rubber that you're using is of an unknown material or something which is relatively new and you do not know uh, how well it's going to work. I would not feel good as a passenger. So what are you doing, drawing that as a parallel to the IoT and making it smart and also making it secure? Well, I think uh, part of your question also was, what type of visibility do we give to citizens, and what Mm -hmm. level of internal confidence do we have? And I think the approach we've taken uh, is that when you look at IoT and the emerging technologies that are here, uh, some uncertainty is really going to be the new normal for us. Uh, And so what we've done internally within our organization here at the city of Vancouver 
is we've given our, ourselves uh, some relatively safe space uh, to experiment and fail through our budgets, through our, our pilot projects, and through some of our internal innovation labs here. Now, in terms of uh, visibility to the citizens, what we've done is we've really managed visibility very, very carefully. I think citizens are very much interested in end result uh, and net uh, benefit to them uh, as citizens. Uh, so one of the things that we've clearly done is to really try to communicate with the citizen in terms of the benefit to them. And how we arrive at that uh, is really going to be uh, pretty much up to us as long as we're within uh, our capital budgets. We're not raising taxes and other things that are negative to citizens. So one clear example here is with our real estate and facilities uh, organization. Uh, we've been piloting very heavily smart buildings. Uh, so sensors uh, that are involved uh, in managing everything from elevators to HVAC. But even more importantly, we trialed sensors in one of our assisted living facilities that actually sensed if the senior citizens actually, actually fell and there was no movement. And they were able to track and sense through body temperature, through radiant temperature in the room, whether or not there was a medical emergency. We met with some moderate and early success on that. Uh, some of our, our citizens felt it was an absolute, complete waste uh, of citizens and taxpayers' dollars. However, one of the things we did do was really advance the collaboration with our healthcare organization through Vancouver General Hospital and other areas. Uh, they latched onto this project, and actually now we're expanding it further than we ever imagined it would be. So that's kind of the trade-off that you have to have when you look at Internet of Things, you're dealing with citizen sentiment and citizen budget. You have to really weigh out how far do we push the envelope to really make progress and give citizens the type of uh, usability they like and still manage expectations. Gary, what sections of your departments, or how many sections for that matter, you'll have to create in order to effectively deal with this? Because you cannot be looking at just an overarching way to secure it, because each department may have their own needs, the way they will deploy the existing technology, or they may have deployed the existing technology, and at the same time trying to experiment with IoT. So how are you even kind of unraveling this, this complex uh, maze, if you will? Well, I mean, our, um, here our departments aren't independent. You know, they fall up underneath. If they're doing technology, you know, IT-related, uh, it's going to come through um, the, our, our tech review. It's going to come through the IT uh, business leadership group. We're going to review, you know, the, the technology. So we're not really – you're not going to have departments that are going to be, you know, uh, funding, building, and deploying uh, technology that we don't know about. Um, with that said, I mean, there is, you know, um, we do have room to go ahead and experiment. I have several uh, startups, several cybersecurity startups that are in the city that are, in, that are deployed within my cybersecurity suite. My team's being trained on uh, some of the different tools that we use to go ahead and protect the city. Um, <clears throat> so we're being kind of innovative and bringing in, again, yeah, newer technologies to, you know, from a from a security perspective, to go ahead and um, and protect the city and protect this infrastructure, you know. But at the, at the same time, um, you know, as as Mark was saying, there is a, you know, I I do think you know that unknown risk is going to be the new norm. You know, IoT to me is relatively new. You know, even though 
it was probably been out there for a long time, and but I'm seeing the technologies pick up steam. You're seeing it everywhere now. You know, everybody wants to connect to everything, you know, which may not actually be a good thing because once you're connected, you can hack it. And that's one of my biggest concerns is that um, a lot of times when we look at these new technologies, one of the first things running through my head is, do we really need to have that connected or not? You know, are we ready for the data that that you know that that technology is going to generate? You know. Um, and then the same thing, you know, with our citizens. I mean, we have, you know, an open data officer. We have an open data initiative. Um, we're already uh, building data sets and putting out on the portal. Um, we're already, you know, having discussion about uh, doing open data around social media, you know, here with the city. There's a lot of, you know, we, you know, a lot of our citizens are actively engaged with the different types of technology projects and services we're doing which is the reason why I'm reaching out and looking at startups and looking at new types of security technologies, you know, because I'm, I'm expecting we're going to have these risks, you know, and, uh, and, you know, I can't, you know, I don't know everything, especially around uh, some of these new technologies. So I'm, I'm reaching out to companies and asking them, okay, you deal with this stuff like, like IO Active, who specializes in doing penetration testing and, and hacking a lot of these new types of technologies. And I'm reading their reports and asking them, you know, uh, their opinion. And I talk with Gartner all the time, and I'm asking them, you know, for some of the newer stuff, you know, what are you hearing? You know, what are issues that other clients of yours are having with these things? You know, what are things that we need to be aware of? You mentioned about IT and related security, and, and of course, with your role, information security officer, I totally see cybersecurity becomes the main focus. But I also have sewer system. I've got waste and water management system. I've got city infrastructure. They all, in a way, are trying to get to this IoT-based uh, monitoring and or pre preventive maintenance and many other areas in which they can actually benefit. And they want to go ahead and either experiment with it or perhaps in some cases they've already put that in. That also is connected to your overarching network, which is pervasive throughout the city, which makes every, uh, every point of entry vulnerable and or uh, something worthy of securing. But that, in your view, or, or the way you explain does not seem to be within the scope of an information security officer. So then who handles the security for those areas? I do. Okay. I mean, I, I, I cover the whole city. What you're talking about, SCADA and control systems, um, they fall up underneath our public utilities department. But from a governance, from a strategic standpoint, I do look at those. And because those systems are very unique and they're different from uh, you know, your typical you know cybersecurity systems you know you keep them separated but I also reach out to like the Department of Homeland Security who has teams that specialize and that type of stuff and they're more than happy you know to step in and help us and provide training and uh, provide the you know, overview of how to protect those types of critical control systems but they but they do fall um, underneath my purview for cyber for the city so, Mark, in your world, when you're looking at this uh, waste management and or water management and infrastructure, et cetera, would you, would you look at that as inclusion into your portfolio and then identify the resources who, can, who have the knowledge and are able to effectively make it secure and also make the full use of them? Or are you relying on outside services because overnight you would not build that capability anyways within the city? Uh, absolutely. One of the things I've undertaken to do over the past uh, couple of years is to really bring those types of uh, technologies into the discipline of the information technology group. 
prior, uh, once I arrived at the city of Vancouver, they were completely separate. Uh, but as was mentioned, these types of data and supervisory control systems are becoming IP-based, highly vulnerable. Uh, and uh, the city of Vancouver, uh, as most cities uh, do, have a expansive landscape of these. We also own uh, an energy utility as well. Uh, so we are bringing those in. Uh, we are working right now in the short term with external companies to help us in terms of managing the security landscape around those, but we're also building the internal capacity uh, so that these will consistently be a part of the information technology portfolio. Now, Mark, the way we secure anything is limited to how far do we imagine or how much do we imagine in terms of where all things can break. What's your horizon for that? How are you even scoping out that if I, you know, there, there was a first, one of the first shows I did when I started this show was how much security is enough? So I want to ask you that question yet again. When it comes to city, how much is enough at which point you'll maintain that level, but you'll not go crazy? Well, one of the things I've done is to work very closely with our chief risk officer and take a holistic view of the city uh, and really do an inventory of where are our points of vulnerability, uh, where are areas of uh, absolute uh, priority in terms of running the city, and even more importantly, where are the areas of uh, points of vulnerability. And then beyond that, uh, one of the things we've been doing is using predictive analytics uh, to really assist us in determining the level of security that we should have holistically and with each of these key areas here. Uh, so it's certainly it's a process. Uh, it's definitely a strategic view that you have to have, and it is extremely time-consuming. Uh, but the effort uh, is really worthwhile, and it certainly uh, yielded some early results for us here at the city of Vancouver. Let's take a quick break. Let's we'll be right back. And Gary, when we come back, I'd like to talk about things beyond technology. Because you know, in order to make uh, any place secure, it is requiring some cooperation from the citizens as well as the, the different departments, their workers, and their leadership. What is, like in any organization, like in a, in a private organization, we would request the same and there will be some policies and guidance, etc. Let's talk about the maturity of security, the way a city needs to be kept secure. How's, how's that policy morphing and to what degree are you able to put that or, or get that to be embraced by everyone involved in order for you to do your job in, that is to keep the city secure. Please take a quick break. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back after these messages. So please stay tuned. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. What is the Serve Hour? Well, to start, it's a different kind of listening experience. It's one that involves you. Host Jim Blackburn and his engaging guests in some very provocative and opinion-shaping conversations you'll hear and be invited to participate in that will challenge traditional beliefs about management and today's workplace. Also, these conversations will help you look at yourself and your work differently. Make it your business to tune into Voice America Business for The Serve Hour, live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time. It will shake you awake. HP is proud to sponsor this program. 
Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace, Every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sun Jog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So basically for any large initiative, it takes a village. And that means not only you, Gary, but your uh, bosses, the reportees, the congressional folks, the the citizens, everybody has to come together to some degree and cooperate for you to be able to do your job. What's the scene there? Um, you know, it's it's actually quite interesting. I mean, just you saying it's a village. I mean, I I had actually written an article recently where I said cyber it's a it's a team sport, and you know, and and I laid out this whole thing and I this whole plan and I basically explained that cyber is a life cycle and that and the way we do it here in the city is it's it's a continuous life cycle and my biggest piece is visibility you know when I came here to the city um they really have never had a a professional CISO um and they've had people that have kind of filled the role, but when I went ahead and and stepped in, I realized I needed to build my security program. And I've learned that you can't you can't do you know cybersecurity in a vacuum. You have to get people involved. And the biggest piece I started doing was I started walking, doing the whole walkabout. I started wandering through the departments. I was introducing myself. I needed to find out what issues they were having. Um, I started talking with my team members, many of them who had been here for the city for decades and understand, you know, the culture. And, um, and I started doing a whole reach out where I started looking at all the other you know, the, the extra organizations that are connected to the city, the district attorney's office, the sheriff's department, the, the county of San Diego. And I started reaching out to all of them to find out, you know, how it was going with them, you know, the issues that they were having. So as I proceeded to build a cybersecurity program here, I'm looking at all of our partners. And um, and then I'm already involved with uh, the, the, you know, the civilian cyber community out here. I've been doing it for almost 20 years here in San Diego. And, 
so my biggest thing is I, I, I collaborate. You know, I share information. You know, when I go ahead and I get notifications from the Department of Homeland Security or the FBI about specific attacks or, you know, things that, you know, I need to be aware of, I don't keep it in-house. I mean, I share it with my team. I share it with mayoral staff. Um, you know, we, we just recently did a presentation to city council, a cybersecurity presentation, where we gave them an update. You know, the city of San Diego, we're averaging about 60,000 attacks per day that we're blocking. You know, and we wanted to make sure that they were aware of the threat. And they, we wanted to make sure that they were aware of projects that we had in play and things that we were doing, you know, future statewide or what we were trying to put, you know, uh, you know, put in, you know, cybersecurity wise to uh protect the networks and, you know, and train, you know, um, you know, city employees, you know, on cyber awareness. And um so my thing is that, you know, I, I do believe it's a team sport. I do believe that if you're a CISO, you're not going to do it yourself. You have to go ahead and reach out to your stakeholders within your organization. You have to go ahead and, you know, I found talking with leadership that, you know, you don't talk threat, vulnerability, consequence. You talk enterprise risk. You talk, It's all about risk. It's all about loss of services. You know, you really need to help them understand, you know, because a lot of times, you know, the people I deal with, the departments I deal with, they're they're non-IT people. They're non-technology people. You know, they don't have the the decades of experience that I have in IT and in cybersecurity, but they've got big projects that they're doing because they really want to go ahead and provide services and to the citizens, and they want to, you know, because the citizens are their customers. And so they've got these big technology projects in play that they want to go ahead and do, and they may not understand the risk because it's really not their job. It's my job to help them you know, see the risks that are involved and kind of help them, you know, stay within that, you know, that technology roadmap that um, that my CIO is putting out for our department. It's interesting, Gary, the way you explain that. You, of course, you, there's a lot of effort going on from your side in terms of outreach and education and imparting the insights on why they should be secure. So, Mark, think about us trying to train these uh, constituents and even business users who are in their respective departments doing their job, and we're saying, okay, change the way you you know, put your password or, or the way you share information because you are vulnerable. All along, intruders are using all possible means to find the weakest link through which they can penetrate. How are you safeguarding a city's infrastructure or any of its uh, you know, um, information and other data assets while you got so many weakest, uh, weak links, if you will, because they are, we are at most trying to be able to educate them, but nothing beyond that? Well, I think it's through a multi-tiered uh, approach that we have here. Uh, one speaks to what Gary just mentioned, is that here at City of Vancouver, what we've done is we've really elevated the level of uh, knowledge around uh, cybersecurity and potential threats here with the leadership of the city. So city council, city manager, and one of the outcomes of that has really been increased funding uh, for a security here at the city. Uh, at the business unit level, uh, what we've done is we began with the actual general managers who run the business unit operations uh, and their standard security training programs that we have that are mandatory for all employees at least once a year as refreshers and for all new employees coming into the city of Vancouver. Uh, so that's been kind of a secondary approach we've taken. I think the third piece has really been uh, in terms of making sure that, we, that the business users have 
the respective tools they need uh, to manage security uh, at the desktop level, uh, encryption at the uh, data level, uh, at the device level for their uh, mobile devices, uh, as well as their ability to, to leverage the standard uh, security protocols that we have at the city through our, our corporate enterprise-wide procedures. So it's a multi-tiered approach, uh, and as Gary mentioned, it is definitely a collaborative effort. We have to work with the business units to be successful and to get them to understand the importance of potential enterprise loss. So, because yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you, as Mark was saying, you know, I mean, one of the first things I explained to my team was that, you know, we don't make the decisions on this stuff. The business unit is going to make the decisions. So if we run scans, if we're doing, you know, a lot of the, the cybersecurity plumbing, per se, and we find vulnerabilities, we, just, we, you know, we can't rank them and go ahead and say, well, this is a priority. We have to fix it now. Well, what happens if we fix that and we break a major business process, you know, for the city? You know, so instead you have to do the whole visibility piece where you get your, you know, security committee together. You're looking at, you know, the different vulnerabilities and the businesses, you know, the departments, you know, have, you know, they go ahead and they have a say. You bring your stakeholders to the table and they're helping you go ahead and decide which ones need to be fixed first. And what you find, what's really interesting is that getting them involved, now all of a sudden it's theirs. You know, and they're very interested in what we're doing. And, you know, now it's not, you know, cybersecurity's in the closet and you never know what these guys are doing. Now it's like, you know, cybersecurity's pretty cool and they're always asking, what is my team doing? They're really interested in the different projects and the stuff that we're doing. So, when both of you go about uh, putting in this particular knowledge base or, or education that you're imparting to everyone, what is the corresponding responsibility and how do you measure whether they are doing their job in order for you to say, okay, I am not having those weakest links anymore and I'm making progress? What's your way of measuring it? Well, I, Gary, I take that. You know, go ahead, Mark. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, Mark, please uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the things that I've seen is that there has been an increased level of maturity uh, across the city around uh, security. So if I compare two years ago uh, to where there was almost absolute ignorance uh, of uh, the need for security, now what we have is uh, business units starting to uh, come to us and starting to say, uh, you know, we're thinking about uh, purchasing a, a business solution, and by the way, it's cloud-based. Uh, very low cost, but looks like it may have large business benefit. What's our risk around that? Uh, what should we be looking for in terms of security? So we've seen kind of a 360-degree turn uh, in terms of the level of maturity from the business unit. That's one of the key indicators for me uh, that uh, some of our approaches are working here, and there's a level of ownership and responsibility from the business. Yeah, and I, and I echo the same thing. I mean, we're seeing that where they want us to be actively engaged. And, you know, and if we're late to a meeting, they're, they're texting me, hey, where are you guys at? We want you here, you know, because they want our input. I mean, I can tell you when I come to the city, we were averaging about 160 machines, you know, a month that were breached, you know, whether it was phishing attacks or, you know, infection with viruses. And right now we're down to 32 a month. You know, and a lot of that is because, you know, our our users are educated and they're not clicking on those things anymore. Um, a lot of that is different security projects we've put in play, changes to the architecture we've made. Um, it's, you know, like I said, it's become a a team effort and it's um, and it's definitely unique. I mean, they, um, you know, coming from a DOD environment where it was just kind of assumed, you know, here it's not. And, but I'm, um, you know, I'm 
thoroughly enjoying the environment because um, once they figured out what you're doing and they like what's going on, it's like everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to go ahead and help out. And you, you see the impact. You definitely see the difference. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's talk money and let's talk politics. Because, of course, you're part of the city. So there will be shifts, whether it is the budgets from one uh, you know, leader to another or one regime to another based on what all happens in any of the government environments. And on the other hand, you got city, uh, the citizens' security and safety at stake. How do you manage? How do you balance both? And how do you get enough funding and get enough timely approvals for you to be able to go about, go and do what you're supposed to do to keep us safe? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Gary, let's talk about our favorite uh, topic, which is, for first is the budget, so let's talk about budget, and then it connected to it is also politics, because both shift. Okay. <laughs> so, so, I'm not going to leave it, leave you there hanging. I'll ask you a specific question. Um, when you see cybersecurity or any other type of smart city-related security initiatives that are to be uh, brought to uh, you have to execute them and and get your dreams be realized. You you create a plan, and then you based on that come up with some budgets, and then you need some you, based on the the plan is based on some timely approvals, and those approval have to come from people above you who may or may not remain by the time you get to that milestone. 
and at the same time, the budgets may not be available the way you proposed because somebody accepted it, but the other person who may come replace them may not see it the same way, and it could start all over again. And all along, we are rendering our citizens and our city vulnerable. How do you deal with this? Well, I mean, I can tell you, uh, I think budget is something, you know, no matter what organization you are, especially, you know, from a cyber perspective, you're always, you're always wanting it. You know, um, you're always looking, you know, and, and I can tell you what I've done is um, the mayor told me to be innovative, to look at, you know, uh, ways to, you know, uh, new ways to go ahead and help protect you know, our networks, our data. And so I reached out to our startup community. So we do a lot of proof of concepts with the startups where they come in, you know, it's free, you know, they're, they're up and running in the city for a year. They get a chance to actually build out and, and test their solutions on the, the city's extensive networks. And I get it, you know, and I get a chance to use their product uh, for a year um, and to help protect the networks. I mean, you know, and then I, you know, I'm constantly talking with, um, a lot of my uh, federal partners and peers um, looking for grant funding. You know, I I'm always looking for other different modes of funding. You know, and I'm not even uh, and I have no problem using open source. You know, using anything that I can get my hands on that we can effectively employ and maintain to be able to go ahead and um, and protect our networks and, and our data. And yeah, there is. I mean, there's there's politics involved in everything. I mean, you know, I'm part of the mayoral staff. And, uh, you know, we answer to, you know, we, you know, have to answer to city council and, and the ethics commission and the city auditor. There's all kinds of other groups, you know, that have questions and that want answers. And, you know, and, and part of that is, I find, is just being visible, you know, putting the information out there, what we're doing, so that even if there's a change, even if, the, um, you know, there's a new mayor or um, new staff that come in, because, you know, you're not operating in a vacuum and they see the specific reasons why you're doing projects, how you're reducing risk, the new services that you're offering, you know, um, they, it, it helps you, you know, keep your funding and it helps it pretty much sell itself that they understand that, you know, there is specific reasons why these projects are in play. I mean, I haven't had any of them uh, take you know, really more than six months to go ahead and get all the, you know, the paperwork and funding and get everything all lined up so that we could go ahead and, you know, get them up and running. Um, you know, when I was in DOD, shoot, it could take us two years to get things going. You know, so I've been, uh, I was actually kind of surprised, you know, coming to a city, you can be innovative and the paperwork gets done sooner, you know. Um, but I, I do find that keeping you know the core money and everything that you need you have to get people involved and you have to go ahead and you know put out there that these are the benefits this is what we're going to get for these things to help us you know put these projects in play and um and that really helps you a lot when you like i said you know politics come to play and you have people changing out who may have different priorities so, Mark, have, how have you handled the budget and the politics-related uh, fluid challenge, if you will, especially when the the city's safety is at stake? What has worked well, for, for you? Well, from a budgetary standpoint, uh, many of the techniques Gary just mentioned uh, certainly apply and, and resonate. Uh, one of the things I've done most recently is uh, undertaken to really work and take a look at my capital budget. Uh, of my four-year capital budget, and I've actually uh, taken a step back and realigned uh, a lot of the funding in that capital budget with a greater emphasis on funding security, 
Uh, uh, in the past, uh, it really has been uh, just a very small line item uh, across capital, uh, but I've since uh, shifted that and really enhanced the capital budget significantly. Uh, with the politics uh, and shifting roles and responsibilities, uh, one of my biggest challenges is, is obviously, as you can well appreciate, any time a city councilor or a mayor uh, is in front of the camera or, or a microphone, many times they may make uh, commitments uh, to citizens that have huge technology implications, uh, and we're in a position where we have to uh, try to be uh, reactive uh, in terms of making sure that we can uh, help that uh, agenda and that commitment along. I think we're getting better at that, uh, but uh, once again, I think it goes back to our ability to raise the visibility of the importance of security. Uh, and I've really socialized that very heavily across the organization. Here in Canada, it's a bit different uh, in terms of the funding model. Uh, you know, we're not uh, as uh, prone to obtain grants. However, I work with my provincial counterparts as well as the other uh, uh, federal government here to look at uh, unique types of funding to uh, move us forward and keep us sustained. If you were to look at internally in terms of the people that you may have hired, uh, Gary, the team that you had originally versus now, what changes are you making in that team so that they, those those deputies are able to make you proud and also keep the city secure? Well, I mean, I can tell you right now, the team I have, um, I'm, I'm, I'm truly blessed with the people that I have working for me. I mean, they're, you know, I've been amazed at their dedication and how well they, they work together. Um, but I can tell you a lot of the changes what we're doing is, I mean, I have two teams. I have a team that's that's more focused towards cyber and security architecture, and then I have a team that's more focused towards the daily operations and handling trouble tickets and doing basic Active Directory and you know the maintenance kind of stuff that the that the users need. Um, what I find is I'm doing a lot of cross training. I'm doing a lot of cross training with them because I want them both to be aware of what each other's doing. Um, for the last two years, I've gotten full funding uh, for training programs, so I'm sending all of them um, to work on professional certifications to attend uh, different events and keep them, you know, educated and trained on what's going on in the community and the different types of threats and stuff that we're that we're dealing with. The um, as we bring new technologies on board, um, making sure that when we bring something new on board like Splunk, that I, you know, and we set this new technology up, that I incorporate, you know, a piece of my bill per se is going to be training. You know, I don't want uh, my guys to go ahead and have to try to figure it out as we go. You know, I want to make sure that you know we have training involved so that we can employ it quickly to go ahead and. Um, you know, the, to protect our, our data and our networks. And so, I mean, I, I do find that, you know, um, over the last two years, that's one of the big things that I've really tried to do with my team is to, you know, you know, do the whole cross-training piece and making sure that they are very well aware that we provide a service. You know, that we're just not protecting the, uh, the networks, that we actually provide a service to, you know, um, our customers, you know, the 11,000 users in the city of San Diego, but also to the citizens, you know, for what we do. And that, um, and part of my responsibility is to make sure that they're properly trained and that they are properly aware of, you know, the, the issues that are going on with the technologies and stuff that we have employed. All right, I've got only five seconds. Gary, give me three words. Or rather, Mark, I'll come to you. Give me three words, Mark, uh, which you feel should be top of mind of any city CIO or CISO if they were to keep a smart city secure. Uh, I would certainly say risk, uh, 
risk management uh, as well as uh, uh, being proactive. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, uh, Mark and Gary, for sharing your thoughts on how we can work together with the congressional uh, folks, uh, the CISO, CIOs, and the team and business users to make and maintain a smart city secure. And listeners, uh, if you, uh, I'm sure you enjoyed uh, the discussion and got some golden nuggets out of it. Please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP.